sensation and bounds built to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Work back Magnesium is naturally found in foods like. This is the Well and Good podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Each fall here at Well and Good, we celebrate runners at every level with a program we call United States of Running. The program offers weekly 5K and 10K running plans that are accessible to beginners and seasoned marathoners alike. And so we're carrying this spirit into episodes of the podcast, discussing the ways we move and how we got here. I'm director of podcasts, Taylor Camille, and today we're in conversation with Brooke Torres, founder of Hilma, a running shoe company innovating the space with shoes made for our unique needs. If you run at all, you are a runner. If you run, walk, you are a runner. If you walk and you sprinkle in a little running here and there, you are a runner. And I think we're seeing a lot more of that conversation in a nice way where it's not just like you don't have to have a distance goal. You don't have to have a time goal. You don't even have to have a frequency. You know, like if if you're going, you're running. So I'm Brooke Torres, and I'm the founder of a new running shoe company called Hilma. And our premise is mass personalization of running shoes. So what we really want to do is help people get into a super comfortable shoe for them. We are getting ready to launch, and we're launching all women's fits first, which I'm also excited about. And I think on the brand side, what I really hope for is to create a modern brand where people see themselves running kind of regardless of what their goals with running are. So we're not focused on this idea that everyone should be the fastest or whatever. It's really about finding an adventure that feels good for you and empowers you. Yeah, that's really amazing. It really fits in with what we try to do here at Well and Good too, is we have a program running this month and into next about just you know inviting people of all types of from all types of stages of running and really like knowing that it's not really about performance. It's really just about moving and moving well. I'd love also just to learn about how you got into running and, you know, from starting out to now being very invested in the space and in the innovations happening here. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think what you're doing is such a good example of what I'm seeing in the running space now and really excited about, which is this sort of diversification of purpose in running, which I think is is awesome. You know, I never expected to 
enjoy running or be a runner. When I was little, I was active and I loved to be outdoors, but I had this idea that running was really elite and really exclusive. You know, I grew up in the 90s and the 2000s. And I think what I thought of as exercise was like this pressured thing that was very much focused around your body looking a certain way. And that felt like super unappealing to me. And, you know, running almost like at its core, like I think about the women's magazines of that era, like being at the grocery store with my mom and it would be like, run two miles to lose five pounds and like get a six pack. And I was like, oh, I don't know. (laughs) Like, I don't know about that. But I started to get a little bit into running in college. And then after college, I was feeling really empowered by my career. I was enjoying what I was doing. I was at, at startups and I was an early hire. And I started to look around really just for ways that I could kind of replicate that experience. And so I was like, you know, what could I maybe do that I thought I couldn't? And the idea of running a marathon was pretty high on that list. Like I thought it seemed wild to run a marathon and I didn't know if I could do it. But I signed up for one. This was back in 2016 and trained for that first marathon. And I showed up on race day and I was still not sure if it was something I could do or not. Like I didn't know if I could cross the finish line. And, you know, it sounds like a little cheesy almost, but it was so empowering. I mean, just to go through the process of running and finishing the race that day, I felt like I'd never be the same because I had done something that I wasn't sure I could do. And it really opened up possibility for me. And I was in no way like a fast runner that day. I mean, I'm totally middle of the pack, sometimes further back, depending on the race, depending on the day, but it didn't matter, you know? And at the same time, I was really watching and observing the running community and kind of breaking down these ideas that I had about running. So like I said, I mean, I thought that running was so elite and so exclusive. And I remember showing up to that first marathon and being like, wow, like most people are like me where there's a 0% chance of winning the race today, but we're just here like for ourselves. Just here. Yeah. So that's kind of how I started out. And then I found trail running, which I totally fell in love with. And I ran some shorter ultras and that was sort of similarly, like such an empowering experience and really was the start of, you know, what Helma was to become on the brand side and then was, you know, getting me really curious about the shoe market as well. And so what was the problem that you really identified when you set out to do Helma? What kind of was your impetus from really getting going? The earliest thing was that I was just trying to figure out the right running shoe for me. So I was doing all the things you typically do. I would go to the running store and try stuff as I became more obsessed with finding a shoe for me. I would go to like Nordstrom Rack after work and try on all the sneakers that were there. And it was just really difficult to to find something that was comfortable. Mm. But my insight that I was really having was about fit and fit models. So now one of the ways that I think about it is if you compare running shoes to bras, bras are really a performance product. And we size them in a way that takes into account that there's more than one measurement that matters, especially Mm -hmm. when you have like a firmer product, you know, a product with underwire or less stretch or whatever. So the sort of more constructed Mm -hmm. it is, the more we need it to fit our body. But running shoes just had this like one fit model, essentially. 
And initially I was like, oh, I must have something wrong with my foot. I thought I was this edge case that only I couldn't find the right shoe for me. But especially as I sort of grew in my running and it became more of a part of my life and my kind of identity, I was getting more and more questions from girlfriends and other friends that were just like, you know, what's the best running shoe? And what I started to realize was there was really no such thing as the best running shoe. It was about what was a good fit for you. As I dug in further, I started to realize that part of the problem was, like you said, that shoes are so often historically made for men and then kind of shrunken down for women. Most people have this problem and our fit models today really needed an overhaul to consider that we have different bodies and different volumes of foot and different volume distributions. And for something to feel really good, fit is totally that foundation. Yeah. That's a really good analogy, I suppose, of like the bra versus the running shoe, because it's so true. There's so many different sizes of a bra and it changes and it fluctuates. And so it really helps contextualize the feeling of like, yeah, your feet are (laughs) kind of deserve the same attention and care. It's not just this blanket size, especially when you're using it for such high impact. Totally, totally. And I think even for walking, I mean, we really just need like a comfortable product for us, regardless of what you're doing. I hope that women are able to find a product that feels good on them and kind of, you know, go where they like Mm -hmm. with it. So a big thing that came up was the comfort conversation, which you've already touched on. But what are some other things that you think mainstream performance shoes have made us sacrifice in addition to comfort? Yeah, I think so much about that because I think Um, you know, this legacy idea of what we had of who a runner was and what they looked like. And I think of them like sweating Gatorade on the track kind of thing, (laughs) like just (laughs) really hustling hard, muscles bulging, like just such a particular look has done such a disservice to people even, I think, wanting to go and try something. Yeah. I think a lot about that. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely not someone who's like, oh, everyone should run or everyone should like running. I think what I hope for is to live in a world where people can see themselves doing different things and then pick what they're called to or interested in and go for it. Yeah, that that's very. Key. I feel like it's very key. Like the entry point felt so unattainable for so long, and now it's like, no, everyone can run if they choose to run. It's just you know they're on their own pace or whatever. But maybe you won't be sweating Gatorade by the totally. end, but you'll be running your own race. <laughs> totally. Yeah, and I mean, I think the other thing, just on the aesthetic side, to the um, you know the sort of like shrink it and pink it thing was, I felt that there were shoes. You know, sometimes I would find a shoe that felt okay on me, but the aesthetic didn't speak to me. Like I would wear it and then I would take it off and put on a different shoe that felt more like it was the look that I wanted. So hopefully what we've done, and I've been so lucky to work with an incredible design and development team, but is to create something in colors and in style that is something mm-hmm. that feels a little more versatile. So hopefully it's something that you kind of, you know, you do throw on for brunch or, um, you know, to go out with friends or do whatever you want to do and be be comfy in. Yeah. So you brought up shrink it and pink it, which I think is 
it's just wild that it's even a thing because so many people think that you can just shrink it down, throw a color on it that is female, and then they'll buy it. You kind of mentioned it, but what's your response really to this trend that we're seeing? And how can we kind of shift the preoccupation from such a... Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. surface level gender conversation to like more like these changes will improve your wellness beyond just it will look good on your feet but it will make you feel good as well yeah definitely it's always like uh, an interesting thing to sort of chat about being like like we made women's fit first but I don't want to be like so binary about it and be like these are for women but I think what you need to do as a product developer is look at a broad range of people and test on a broad range of people and talk to a broad range of people and figure out what works for them, what works for their bodies, and what do they want. When we did our product testing and we tested, I mean, we tested really extensively, we made sure that we had different people in our shoes. So we had pregnant runners in our shoes. We had people who were our Olympic trial qualifying runners. And we really took feedback from those people, you know, also considering different body sizes and different fit needs that people had. And as silly as it sounds, like that's not done everywhere. So someone had said to me when I was starting the company that one of the running shoe companies that they worked with, once someone became pregnant, they were no longer like basically able to be a tester. And I was like, really? Like, that is wild. That's <laughs> yeah, that's insane. <laughs> and just thinking about, you know, this space is almost, it's not crowded per se, but many of the like larger players are really trying to like get their foot in the door for all of these, you know, like for the performance shoes for women. And like, I don't know, how does it feel for you to be in the market at this moment? And why do you think there's a push now <laughs> after all these years for the, the spotlight to be on like the nuances of our needs for shoes rather than just this blanket um, offering. Yeah. When I was very early in starting the company, people would say to me sometimes like, are you sure you want to enter such a big market? And I needed to learn more <laughs> in order to say yes to that. Yeah. But ultimately yeah. the answer was a huge yes. Like when I really did diligence on this idea that I had and looked into it. I was so on fire about it. I couldn't not start the company. You know, sometimes people, when they start a business, they're like, I want to start a business. Now, what is the idea? And I was kind of like, I could be interested in starting a company if I had the right idea. And when I had this, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is so interesting. And I think part of the reason why is because I did feel that it was distinct. So would I have been excited about entering a market without something that felt different and like it was serving a real need? Honestly, no, that wouldn't have been like something I wanted to pursue. And then at the same time, again, on the positive side, I think being an outsider can have a real advantage because I don't know things in a way that 
someone who spent 25 years in the industry has. And sometimes their information becomes, I don't want to say stale, but you know, there's this, there's this data that basically innovation goes down as like expertise goes up. Mm. So I will ask questions that are probably like dumb questions to people in footwear. And I'll be like, well, why can't we do X, Y, and Z? And sometimes the answer is like, well, it's not done that way. And I'm like, but why not? Like, <laughs> let's try. We? Yeah. <laughs> like, let's try. And sometimes it doesn't work out and I understand why, or we don't pursue it. Right. But sometimes we do because it actually makes a lot of sense. So I think between those two things, I am I'm really excited to be in this market. And then, you know, for a zillion other reasons too. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's great to hear. And I think you, we can get so stuck in our ways and everything kind of becomes very homogenous and you're just like, okay, <laughs> this is just the way we've been doing it. And it's so nice to come into a space with a fresh perspective and see what can be different. And I think also just from the outside looking in, Hilma is really set out for like the personalization aspect. And and I think it really sets it apart. But why was the personalization factor so crucial for you in building this? Yeah, I think f- for me, the more that I looked at the product, the more that I realized that there was no such thing as a shoe that felt good on everyone in one size. Mm -hmm. You and I might both be a size eight, but if we have a different shape of foot, that shoe might be great on me, but feel Mm -hmm. really bad on you Mm -hmm. or vice versa. And I felt like the evolution of comfort fit was such a foundational piece of that. And I think on the other side of that, the process of finding the right shoe for you is tricky. And I felt that we could lift that off of the consumer and give them a buying process that worked better for them by having this sort of consultative survey style buying process where at the end of it, we're like, okay, here's the, here's the fit that we think is for you. Very, very cool. So the last few questions I have, how, how does it feel when You've tried on a hundred shoes and you found the shoe that really feels like it's made for you or with you in mind. Yeah. I mean, it feels so good. I can tell you the first half marathon that I ran, I ran it in shoes that were a really bad fit for me. And I made a total rookie mistake. I ran in new shoes and I got almost golf ball size blisters on my arches. Like I was destroyed. It was super hot out. It was like in the nineties, it was super humid and I just wrecked my feet. And I contrast that to at the beginning of the summer, I ran an overnight 12 hour race and I ran it in Helma's and I did not have any issue. And it was such a contrast, you know? Um, and obviously like I'm a data point of one here, but getting into <laughs> a shoe that feels really good on you does make such a huge difference to just kind of like forget about them and go about about what you want. And then I think a, another thing we talk about is who can call themselves a runner. I feel like we want to create a space where people realize that you don't have to do marathons every year to be a runner. And so just wanted to know what makes someone a runner and when did you feel like you could call yourself a runner? Yeah, I definitely think about this a lot too. And it took me so long to be able to call myself a runner in a way that looking back, I'm like, girl, you were a runner. You've been running, you've been running for a while. But, you know, I think if you run 
at all, you are a runner. If you run, walk, you are a runner. If you walk and you sprinkle in a little running here and there, you are a runner. And I hope, and I think we're seeing a lot more of that conversation in a nice way where it's not just like, you don't have to have a distance goal. You don't have to have a time goal. Um, you don't even have to have a frequency, you know, like if, if you're going, you're running. And then just lastly, what are your tips to people who just started out? Um, and then separately, what are your tips to people who keep coming back to running? Yeah. Oh, good one. I think for just starting out like so much in life, it's about figuring out what feels good for you. Mm -hmm. So here are a couple examples. When I first started running, and I think this is pretty common, I would run too fast and I found it really miserable. And I would kind of run too fast because I felt pressure to go faster than was comfortable for me. So at some point I got a tip, I'm sure from someone else to not listen to like my fastest beats of music and instead listen to podcasts. And that helped me dial it down and find more comfort in running. So I think it's just about kind of trial and error and figure out what feels good for you. Do you like running alone? Do you like running with a group? Music, no music, you know, time of day, all of that stuff. I think the best thing is to just expect to have that trial and error too and be like, well, let me like, let me see what I like here. Let me see what feels good. Yeah. And then for the people who keep coming back to running. Yes. That's, that's almost a harder one, right? I, I think, know. I think inevitably, and I hear this from so many people that part of the journey of running is to have these ebbs and flows where you sometimes really enjoy it and you're excited about it and you're feeling good. And other times where you're like, I'm a little, I'm a little down on this. Like I'm not having as much fun as I was. And I think there's a lot to be said for listening to your body during those times. If you're kind of feeling burnt out on running, are you over running? Do you need a rest? Do you need a balancing type of activity? Is adding in some hiking or some yoga or Pilates or rock climbing, does that feel restorative for you? I think ultimately it just kind of depends on what, what you want. Do you want joy and adventure? Do you have a really specific goal that you're trying to go after? And sort of based on what you want, you probably are trialing different things. On today's show, you heard me in conversation with Brooke Torres. This episode was scripted in part by Haley Pascalides and produced by Ella Dove, Abby Stone, and myself, Taylor Camille, along with many other hands and brains at Well and Good. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. Mixing and scoring by our sound engineer, Joanna Samuel, and our theme music was created by Madeline Lakomsky and Matt DiDomenico. Our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette.